Air Force One got President Biden to his Caribbean vacation, no problem. But thousands of Americans were not so lucky. Democrats were shuddering privately just a few days ago about how big the margin was going to be. Republicans were predicting a red wave, but they may end up with the same slim majority Democrats have had for the last two years. We are going to take the House back. But we've got so much more to do, and I have only begun to fight. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. Happy 2023, everybody. We have, I wish we could say we had a full complement of cast and crew, but some of us are still vacationing. Yeah, Duncan, you know. Yeah. Christmas is over, dude. New Year's is over. Yeah. I don't know. It's, everybody's back to work. Yeah. New Year's week. Like, that's what they're going to make that a thing now. Oh, it's New Year's week. All right. We it's, just don't work here. It's not over for Michael Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> Michael is Michael is enjoying the tropics while we bring you the truth. That's it. <laughs> Although Christmas was a fun time. Did you guys have a nice week? We had a nice, we had a very nice time. You know, we spoke a little bit about it last week, but it was, it was a, a great family time. But, you know, like... The beauty of the holidays is you look forward to it, you can spend time with family, you get all kinds of things going on, and then you kind of get ready to go back to work, right? Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I mean, I was in Ohio, which is where my family... Hey, you had to drive through the mess. Yeah, we drove through the mess, but you know, when we got there, I found a ton of ruthless fans and listeners. No kidding. Did you really? I mean, people, people... Everybody listens to the show. Ah! It is... In our audience, we have the best audience, and... You know, you get people giving you advice. Yeah. For example, um, you know, some people think we're a little too tough on the Italians. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious. Oh, how have Italians? They think we're too tough on the Italians, and so <laughs> someone gave me a book to help me understand the Italians I a little bit like better. I feel like that was appropriate. Let me show you the book. No way, you actually brought the what book. Was it Godfather Mario Puzo? There it is. <laughs> yeah. Called it the Godfather. <laughs> So we'll read this book on the show, and then we'll we'll have a better understanding, and we'll be able to be a little bit more appropriate in our commentary on the Italians. Outrageous. <laughs> Outrageous. You know, along I the- love that 2023 starts exactly as 22 went. <laughs> hey, I got, uh, uh, you know, every region has their own food and, and, and whatnot. What's, what's Ohio's? What are you guys known for? So uh, southwestern Ohio, Cincinnati area is known for for a couple things. Most notably, Cincinnati chili, Skyline chili. Yeah, the Skyline isn't, chili. Isn't that the like spaghetti that you throw chili yeah. on top? Yeah, they call That's it. Wild. Yeah. yeah. So like the Italians are outraged to begin with. Right. They got a legitimate beef. <laughs> yeah. They got a legit beef. <laughs> yeah. They've been misunderstood in that region for quite I mean, some that's time. That's the wildest way to eat. Just throw it on spaghetti. You don't wild. expect to get the pushback in Cincinnati. I feel like people have been dealing with a lot for quite some time. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, look, good New Year's, uh, back in action, good football, quality football. Oh, yeah. Michael's going to be pretty bummed about the Big Ten performance. Yeah. You know, Michigan and Ohio State going down. But, yeah. you know, great entertaining stuff. I got to tell you, the, any idea that we had of a dry January evaporated for me on Sunday with a Vikings performance against the Packers. If you Look, if anything drives you to drink, it's having your football team show up and get blasted by the Green Bay Packers. That was a really tough Tough oh. game. I mean, and and the Vikes had some. They had some flashes of brilliance there. But like, I just, I, I don't, I, I just, I don't like the Packers. Oh, I hate them so much. I hate them so much. And I know we've got plenty of listeners in Wisconsin, but I can appreciate that you probably appreciate why I hate you. 
Right. Uh, In fact, if you said you liked them, they would be like, oh, this guy's a phony. Yeah. Yeah. It just is what it is. It'd be like me saying I like the Cleveland Browns. I yeah. just I just don't. And, you what know, you, you can't. You can't. You just cannot like your rival. You can't. But your Broncos almost uh, stayed in the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and that's the thing is, like, I don't want – so I was thinking about this the other day is I don't want the Broncos to be, like, close to ever winning – or like, oh, you know, they're just like a middle of the road. It's like, if you don't win, just be a joke of a meme team. You know, like Russell Wilson right now is just the weirdest guy. I don't know if you guys saw like uh, his his ad he did for Subway Mm-mm. that got pulled. Because <laughs> he is just a very strange dude, right? <laughs> and like uh, this, this ad came out like as soon as he like, you know, uh, started playing and everyone saw what a disaster he is. And he basically talks to like, you know, in movies when like the psycho murderer has the like victim tied up in a chair and is like tormenting them and and he's doing this while holding a subway sandwich being like you like you like doing things that are dangerous and it's like what the precious this is, like, this, precious. Is, this is like hannibal lecter right <laughs> and so they pulled the ad but like i would much rather have a joke of a team and like a, a meme than like oh you know we were within three on kansas city it's like Okay, we still lost. You know, at least we should enjoy ourselves. Like, you know, Broncos country, let's ride, has become just an absolute joke, which is better than like, oh, you know, we lost another game by three. His you know, audible, that's crushing. His audibles are like, it puts the lotion on the skin or it gets the hose 100%, again. 100%. Right. 100%. <laughs> and I mean, like, who makes an ad like that? But what's what's going on with ad makers today? They've come a long way from cigarettes are cool and refreshing. Yeah, yeah. Everybody We've got a real ad problem. We do. Well, there, ads aren't what they used to be. No. But part of it is because everybody's lost their damn sense of humor. Right. You know, you're offending now. And even a football fan. Like, you'd think if there's a high bar to clear, it's offending a football fan. Yeah, right. there, I think it was Barstool who had that video where they did, like, a montage of, of beer ads that played during football games in the 2000s from 20 years oh. ago. And it was, like, the Coors ones about the cheerleaders and stuff. And it's like... Absolutely not going to be on TV now. <laughs> oh, man. It's just all gone. It's just all gone. I mean, it's a pretty simple formula. Tap the Rockies, show a mountain, yeah. show a horse rear and back, and a cold beer. That's I it. I mean, like, it's... It, it, it's not rocket science. It, it, we're, not, we're not complicated people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like mountains and booze, man. <laughs> so I went to your, your uh, lovely abode uh, That's right. over, over the break, and I saw that you had your Christmas tree up. Uh, any idea, do you have any sense of how long that sucker stays uh, up? Yeah, I mean. Because you just take it and throw it in the trash. Well, that's the thing is I, t- I keep telling my girlfriend because she's got all these like ornaments and like, you know, some of them are like special, like, you know, her mother made it one year or something. I don't know what the story is. So they're important ornaments. And I'm like, you need to get all that off so I can throw this tree away. <laughs> Until she gets to it, it's like, okay, we got a damn tree. It's, and a reminder for our audience, it's a fake tree that you're throwing yeah, away. Yeah, it's a fake tree. you got to toss that thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Christmas is gone. Normally, I'm like a, a 26, is gone. 26 kind of guy that like down the chute you go, amigo. But like, So it's, uh, so it's still up. Yeah, it's still up. Still Wait, up. so not only do you toss it, you throw it down the garbage chute of the apartment building? Yeah, you take it to the room, you crack it on every leg, and you throw it down the chute. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's like an 80% chance it blocks the chute. And not my problem, dude. I'm not the chute guy. <laughs> the chute guy. What about Ashbrook? It looked to me like you had removed. I visited nope. your home as well. <clears throat> we still have it up. 
You still have yeah, it up? Yeah, we still we still have it up, and we we'll probably we'll probably take it down this weekend. Usually, we take it down pretty pretty quickly after Christmas is over. Yeah, but this year the girls were like, they wanted. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So you know. Yeah, well, okay. I'm going to keep mine up at least until the weekend. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Like so, it's so you think this weekend? But after start. that, it gets depressing. The bigger question is the lights on the outside yeah. of the house. That's because yeah. that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work, and I I don't know about that. We'll, we'll see. We did not go big on lights outside the house this year, which uh, you know I got complaints and complaints and complaints from the girls. But like when it's time to take it down, now no complaints. You're, you're literally just removing a garland from around the door. What are no your, What are your thoughts on these people who like do the hack of like getting that like what is it like a laser projector? That they just like shoot the lights on. Oh the yeah, yeah. And it, and it moves around. From a cleanup perspective, you can't get much better. Yeah. I mean, because you just pull it out of the ground and put it back in the basement. It's not a bad thing. I'm no. gonna look into that. I'm gonna go look into that. Um. All right. So there's look. There's important stuff going on here. We're gonna get you up to speed on all the political mess that's happening and how we start the year. We had grand designs on a whole bunch of things after a house republican majority that we will get into but the first thing that i think everyone needs to understand is when you enter a presidential election the campaign immediately begins in the mainstream media right yep all of the sort of democratic establishment fixtures out there have changed their focus right they read polls too and if you had any question about whether they're a political organization or not you just take a look at their content. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you had, you had Ronnie D winning a couple of polls post-election over Donald Trump. And the one thing that that did to the mainstream media is take the, the fait accompli of a Trump nomination and complicate it a little bit for them, mm-hmm. right? Because they're very comfortable about <laughs> running against Trump. They've been running against Trump now for five, six years. They've got all the talking points. They go into the legal stuff. They, they, they're They're comfortable. And, but it has occurred to them, as I see over the holidays, that they don't have as much as they want on Ron DeSantis. Yeah, I think I think the margin of victory for him in Florida just really freaked him out. It did. Really freaked him out. No question about it. So, But a, as we're getting into this now, you're going to see a bunch of pieces that are going to come out in mainstream media that is basically like, well, DeSantis is worse than Trump. That's the thing is, is you know, as you described that, you know, folks start going instantly into, okay, what's the presidential going to look like after a midterm? And the media, the way that they started 2023 is is the message they wanted to get out is that, like, Ronnie D, worse than Trump. It's the same story. They're like, every Republican worse than the one four years ago. You know, <laughs> that's basically always been their message is, like, you know, they will spend the election cycle being like, this Republican is Hitler. You know, this Republican is worse than Hitler. And then four years later, they're like, no, but this guy's worse than the last one. Every time, without fail. And so there was this article uh, that Vanity Fair puts up. It was written by Bess Levin. He used to write for Deal Breaker. I guess she completely lost her sense of humor and now writes, this is this is a comprehensive guide to why a Ron DeSantis presidency would be as terrifying as a Trump one. <laughs> I mean, it's just so classic. And it's that. fear-mongering. Terrifying. Right. right. It's the most predictable thing in the world, right? And, and, and like some of these things are, are just, it, should we just read the lead? Let's just read it. Wouldn't DeSantis be a hell of a lot more preferable to send to the White House than Donald Trump? Shouldn't we be happy about that at, at very least? He doesn't seem like the type of guy who would sharpie over a hurricane map or cover his own ass and force his people uh, to think about uh, when he gets up to the bathroom. The answer is no, we shouldn't be. And then they go on to list like all of the reasons in this like diatribe that Ron DeSantis is worse than Donald Trump. And that's the thing is the subhead is like his 
bigoted policies and authoritarian <laughs> behavior make him just as bad a pick for the top job in Washington. It's like the same, same, same play. Like, oh, that Republican is racist. That Republican's a Nazi. That Republican will kill democracy. And, and if we get to a point where there's another name that sort of surges, yes. right? If it's like a Mike Pompeo or a Nikki Haley or a, you know, anyone you can think of, if they're like having a moment, you can guarantee in 100%. 2023 you will see a worse than Trump Every about time. their name. Guaranteed, yeah. right? They'll all be authoritarian. Every single one of them. Here's the reasons, though. This is I found this sort of fascinating. Uh, the Martha's Vineyard thing, like treating human beings like cattle is the way that they basically frame it. Mm -hmm. The Martha's Vineyard thing for them is like, uh, well, that's A1A as to why it is that Ron DeSantis is worse than Trump. Okay, let's think about that for a second. Let's think about that for a second. So Trump secured the border as best as he possibly could, tried to build the wall. But it was logistic here. But, but logistic certainly here. put in policies like Remain in Mexico, Title 42, things that were a, significantly stemmed the flow. And we saw that, right? It's just in the numbers. And, and the word, like, I remember seeing these reports of, you know, folks would be talking to migrants in Mexico and like, yeah, you know, what are your thoughts? And like, the word is out. This is shut down. Like, we got to figure something out because you're not getting in. Right. As opposed to now under Biden, they're like, yes, we can go. Uh, they told us during, you know, there's a video that was played of every Democrat raised their hand, said that we can get a free income, free health care if we make it into America and free citizenship. So, of course, we're coming. Well, it, but this is why I find it so fascinating. Right. So they, they roll back all of that stuff. We immediately have a border crisis again, a humanitarian crisis, a fentanyl crisis, a human trafficking crisis. All these things uh, uh, come to the fore. And then you ask, like, Kamala Harris, who's supposed to be the border czar, uh, what what do you think about the border? And she's like, we don't have a border crisis. Yeah. And you ask, like, Senate Democrats, what's going on at the border? They're like, like the border's secure. These are quotes. I'm not making this up. Yeah. It's not hyperbole. This is, this is what these people said. So if the leaders of this country believe that the border is secure, we don't have a fentanyl crisis, human trafficking crisis, or a humanitarian crisis at the border, how do you get their attention? For something like this, because it's clearly having the only guy, Bill, Bill Malugin, sitting there yep. on the border is the only one who's actually reporting what's happening. And it's terrifying. And then you do get their attention. And the liberal media thinks the only thing wrong with border policy in this country is when immigrants show up in Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's the only thing that's not working about border policy. Like, like getting, a getting a private jet to, to Martha's Vineyard is no longer good enough for lives. Like, they've gone from limousine <laughs> lives. Like, this is next level. And we're like, oh, well, you're being treated like cattle. They didn't send you a G6. Like, what are you talking about? And an added, don't you think an added bit of hypocrisy on this is that these flights from the border to cities around the country administered by the Biden administration are omnipresent. Yes. These things are going on all the time. They're showing up in, in communities across this country literally the entire year. The only difference between what they're doing and what Ron DeSantis did is that he did it to their favorite vacation destination. Yeah. Right? Right? It's, it's, Which is an outrage. It's just right. like the classic example of like when, when Trump was president, all those photos started coming. Like uh, you had these libs who were like, can you believe they're putting these kids in cages? And then they were told that like, actually, this is from the Obama administration. These photos were taken then. <laughs> and you have to understand, like, it's a very important, you know, aspect of politics that the media at this point is completely locked up by the left. Right. And they use it essentially as like the largest super PAC that's ever existed because they're just campaigning for Dems. 24-7. This is a prime example of them being like, okay, we want to hammer who we see as a potential threat 
they think that, okay, Ronnie D, he would probably crush Biden. We've got to start going after him. We've got to get the message out early to our folks, even before primary season even begins. You know, they want to beat into people's heads, Ronnie D, bigot, authoritarian, <laughs> worse than Trump. But think think about, <clears throat> I know you, we're, we're, we've moved on from Martha's Vineyard a little bit, but, but like think about the fact that the media accused Ron DeSantis of treating immigrants like chattel because he sent them to Martha's Vineyard and said nothing about the city fathers in Martha's Vineyard transferring people out of their town right. by by the truckload. And, I mean, call me crazy, but I assume that the summer homes on the beach in Martha's Vineyard at this, mo- this moment in probably January empty. are probably empty. Yeah. And that the Could place, have housed some people. The places that these liberal Democrats sent the immigrants are probably not empty. No. I mean, it's probably like they're probably chock full of people. Well, you're still hearing... You know, uh, mayors of New York and and D.C. and others complaining about all of this as it's going on. But, I mean, look, that's one piece of it. What I find so hilarious about the rest of this stuff, it's all just so warmed over melodrama, disgusting sort of liberal progressive viewpoints that they expect people to understand. Like, he's anti-science. Oh, okay. That's like, think about like the slogans that they've created. He doesn't trust the science. He doesn't trust the experts. He's an authoritarian. You mean for you? You mean like he he questioned whether or not you you could actually be reinfected with COVID after getting the vaccine? What a monster! And, and that's the irony of what all a monster this, is like this accusation of him being an authoritarian when essentially Ron DeSantis is like his guiding star. Essentially, in a nutshell, what his governing philosophy has been is. I think you can decide on your own what's good for you. That's basically been the story of Florida. It is. I think you can decide what's good for you. Like they, the authoritarian move is like, here's what you're going to do, which is essentially what the left has been crying to happen, where they're like, we need to mandate a vaccine for every American. You should have your health insurance cut if you don't submit to like our demands. You should not question figures in authority. You should not question Fauci. That's authoritarianism, right? When Ronnie D is like, if you want to go to the beach, you can go to the beach. It's your choice. That's, that's not authoritarianism. Vanity Fair called him a massive bully because DeSantis bullied the Special Olympics into dropping its vaccine mandate for competition. Incredible. He bullied that. Like, you're, you're telling me parents who have a kid who are participating in Special Olympics aren't allowed to have their kid participate unless they comply with this Fauci-like directive on, man, on, like, on vaccine mandates? What if they didn't think it was the best thing for their kids? What if the doctor didn't think it was the best thing for their kid with special needs? I mean... Give me a break. The, the media is media is just we, we, we finished 2022 on a very, very bad foot with the media in this country. Yeah. And I just get the feeling that it's only going to get well, worse. Well, I think it's going to get worse because there was no accountability for it. Right. Not they got the results that they wanted. So right. they feel like they got to keep going. This is what this is my personal favorite. He's made it harder for people to vote and had Floridians arrested as a part of his political uh, stunts. Like many a Republican DeSantis is a big proponent of disenfranchising voters and has signed a raft of laws making it harder for people to cast ballots for their candidates of choice, including ones limiting to drop boxes, limiting drop boxes, hampering Floridians' ability to vote by mail, and preventing a distribution of water and food for voters <laughs> waiting. In, oh, my God. God. Can we still doing that? They're, that's the thing. Is, Are we still doing that? They're doing it because it works. Like, they're doing it because it works. Like, you, I would have hoped that the lesson from 2020 is if you don't keep an eye on what these states are doing, what these, like, lib governors are trying to get away with of being like, oh, yeah, if your ballot's received by, like, 
March of the following year, it still counts. You know, yeah. oh, you know, those signatures don't match. Who cares? You don't need an ID to vote. You know, you can send someone to harvest. Like, journalists, the, the left demands elections be like this. Right. Like an absolute mess of like, oh, yeah, it's totally normal not knowing the election results for three weeks. Totally <laughs> normal. Like, they want to extend and then incentivize where they're like, okay, we can have, like, our groups out there being basically like, uh, we can't openly bribe you. We can't hand you cash to vote. But we were like, we will set up a picnic and basically be like, also, if you wanted to, here's who you vote for. It's unbelievable. <laughs> if all of these shady rules benefited Republicans, oh, the God. media would have the, exact, oh, okay. the, the exact, opposite oh. exact opposite. That's the thing is, like, you know, that has been a huge problem. Especially, like, it, you know, it was taken advantage of under the guise of COVID of basically being like, you know— vote by any any way you want whenever you want however many times you like there was it was absolute wild wild west when it came to election laws of what was passed and allowed and it's not and it's not accessibility let's just make, that's make that thing. extremely clear it's not about accessibility everybody has access to the polls that that's not that's not the issue here what they did in a number of these states even like you know vote by mail say what you will about it i think it's a perfectly acceptable way of dealing with ballots that's fine you do it. I think auto registration and then mailing old registration lists for people who don't request ballots is ridiculous. Crazy, right? You got to you got to figure that shit out. But the reason they love the drop boxes, and we saw this in a number of states, is because they also simultaneously pass laws that deal with ballot harvesting. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So they can go into condensed areas of democratic voters and pick up all these ballots whether it's by intimidation or something else an employer or something else like unions can roll up to the and there were cases of this happening of, of rolling up to like a uh, union members and being like i got the ballot right here we can fill it out together yeah and they and they, and they did it right so so that that's the goal it's not about accessibility it's about ensuring that you maximize your opportunity as a democrat to try to to try to work through the rules to bundle votes, to deliver them to the box. If it was about accessibility, you'd see them doing the same thing in rural America. They're not. Yeah, maybe, maybe there should be body cams on liberal vote, vote harvesters. That'd be good. I, I don't think I don't think they'd like that. No, I'd like I, that. I, I don't think they would. I, I really and don't. I wonder if we, why. If, if because we, they love operating under this guise, this shadiness. I'd like to see some registration for anybody who delivers 10 or more ballots to a ballot box. I'd like to see right. who that is. Just just out of curiosity. I'd like to figure out who that is. What were the circumstances of the vote that yeah. you gathered? Yeah. And, and that's your, the thing. Your is, franchisement. Right. Is that if someone tries to have, because I remember, you got the results from Florida's election in like 60 minutes. Because yeah. like they believe in, hey, it's election day. You right. cast your ballot, go to a poll site, you vote, and then we count them. Mm-hmm. What a wild idea, right? <laughs> so then you get your results in 60 minutes, election day's over. It's not like weeks and lawyers and all this other ridiculousness. So they're like, oh, wait, that's that's limiting access to the ballot. Unbelievable. I mean, so, so the other stuff I'll take through real quick. He's uh, waging a war on trans people. Oh, boy. You recall that was because he, he uh, wanted to prohibit people from basically starting gender reassignment therapy on preteens. Unbelievable. Right. I mean, he's anti-abortion and, you know, he's pro-life. That's that's the way it rolls. We've got a lot of them in this country. And, and you know, the thing about that, that, that whole uh, the, the trans thing is they say that, like, he's threatening their lives or, or you know, oh, it's just he's so, putting I them can't. under 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 danger. It's the same way that they lied by naming a don't say gay bill, because the thing is that if they have to explain what they're actually demanding, 
Nobody, Nobody no, wants Well, that. and that's what happened with the DeSantis thing, right? Is that they actually forced them to explain what it is. Like, they just wanted to say, don't say gay, right? And everybody's like, wow, that sounds terrible. What yeah. do you mean? You can't yeah. say gay. That's that's awful. And then, it, like, he's like, okay, well, let's talk about it. And then they had to talk about it. And it was like, well, yeah, I absolutely don't it turns out we've been trying to figure out how to get kindergartners to begin exploring their sexuality. <laughs> it's the most they can't defend that position you can't defend that position so it becomes like a 70 percent position in in florida which started out as maybe a 20 percent position when you of the notion that you just can't say yeah so they just lie to people about the terms of the debate it's a lie you know can i my favorite favorite line in this story is according to people who know him he's an awful person (laughs) has been for many years in case, in case all the other bullshit that we put at the top of the story didn't convince you and you're still reading at this point, which most most are not, um, he's a terrible person. Remember, this is what they said about Trump in 2015. Yeah. This is, this is the line they tried on Trump. And I just, it didn't work on Trump in 2015. I don't think it's going to work on DeSantis. This is actually, when you think about it, this is almost campaign literature for him. Well, the reason we bring this up is is not to just sort of disabuse all of what's out there on Ron DeSantis, although that's part of it. It's to for you as a voter to understand that anybody that you're looking at for running for president on the Republican nomination is going to get this treatment, mm-hmm. right? And like whatever it is, don't fall into the trap of like throwing the bumper sticker on, well, this guy sucks because of X and he's worse than Trump because it's just, it's ridiculous. It's un, It's completely ridiculous. Um, all right, we got it. We have to uh, cover the story du jour here this week in Washington. We are swearing in a new House Republican majority, which, under ordinary circumstances, would be a time of great celebration for the Ruthless Variety program and for all of you who worked super hard to try to make that happen. Uh, there's a bunch of accountability things that we've talked about over the last few months that are on the precipice of getting to the bottom of Hunter Biden. Uh, Afghanistan, you know, Democrats trying to tax Venmo uh, stuff. I mean, all those things like I don't even the list is too long to to talk about. But that's what all of us and all the voters had been talking about as our one guiding principle for why a House Republican majority was so important. It's been complicated a little bit. You probably have followed this discussion about the battle for the speaker, right? which did not rear its head at all over the summer as Kevin McCarthy was traveling from city to city, raising hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, recruiting, trying to campaign for, working his tail off, frankly, to try to get a House Republican majority. Nobody, I don't remember anybody saying anything about like whether Kevin McCarthy at that point was doing enough to become a Republican speaker. No. Do you all? No, no. not at all. I don't. I mean, absolutely not. And that's not a rhetorical question. I, I actually just don't know. I didn't hear no, any of that. No, absolutely not. Because the people who are who are like complaining the loudest right now were running the fastest for every camera they could find back in October. They're they're in it for themselves. For them, it's not about conservatives. It's not about Republicans. It's about me. And like that is exactly the kind of politician that does that prevents us from doing things like investigating hunter biden investigating every aspect of this biden administration we have an we have an entire media who will not hold them accountable yep. we have one chance for accountability and it's the house republican majority and you have people who care more about themselves than they do about something that matters so much 
to voters all around the country. So let me back this off. So what happened and what John is talking about is shortly after the election, which was a bit of a disappointment for House Republicans as well as Senate Republicans, but the House Republicans did take the majority. And shortly thereafter, there was like nine or 10 House Republicans who sent a letter to Kevin McCarthy saying that the following rule changes in the our conference are things you know, that govern how you process business are things that we would be interested in doing in order to get our support for your speakership. Okay, look, that's not that's not new. That's something that's done every two years on right. both sides of the aisle. Nancy right. Pelosi's had to deal with this forever. Right. And, and Republicans have too, Boehner before and, and Ryan and whatever. So they go about the conversation with Kevin McCarthy and it turns out like as of this weekend, he basically acquiesced to every demand on the list in one form or fashion. The biggest amongst them was this thing that was championed by Chip Roy, a congressman from Texas, called a motion to vacate. And basically what that means is that anytime they disagree with the speaker uh, in a significant manner, that they can have a motion to vacate his speakership and they can hold a vote that would, if he lost basically throw him out of the speakership right? and, uh, so we've got right here the actual details of this where it says um this is how how the rule works the threshold to trigger a vote ousting a speaker would shrink from half the gop conference as had been agreed to by a majority of the members to five dissatisfied lawmakers which is essentially like you're going to uh, uh you know if you have the majority pick a leader you're gonna let five people be like nope let's get rid of him i mean it, Which is wild. It's wild. It's it's horrible. It, it, it would be just like after 20, uh, uh, 2016 being like, well, actually, the minority of voters in this country didn't want Trump, so he's got to be removed from president. But, like, but that's all it is. Is like if you have to win a majority. It's simple to have have your uh, you know point of view heard you got to get to you know 50 plus one, which as had been agreed to by the majority of House members. And they're like, no, five should decide five should decide now what makes this more complicated is that in to elect a speaker of the house and we're speaking you know about something the vast majority of you already know but to elect a speaker of the house it's a vote of the full house right and when you have a slim majority you actually have to have a unified conference in order to elect your speaker because all the democrats vote against that person right so if you have a you know five seat majority six seat majority and you have three or four people who are going to vote against you, uh, you're not going to become Speaker of the House, right? Because Democrats will vote in mass against you. So it's really important that you unify. Like Pelosi had to figure this out many times over the years because she had some dissidents on both sides, you know, more liberal progressive side and the more sort of moderate side. Well, okay, so now as it pertains to McCarthy, he's acquiesced to basically all the demands of this conference. Um over the objections of many of the moderates who thought this was insane, but they still support McCarthy. They got a letter on Sunday from nine more lawmakers that said that's not enough. Like, it's not enough. We're still, we're still not supporting McCarthy. So according to Punchbowl, there are between five and ten House Republican lawmakers who may oppose McCarthy during Tuesday's speaker vote on the floor. Even close allies privately worry that it's hard to see a path, quote unquote, for McCarthy to get the 218 votes that he needs. That's a pretty big statement, mm -hmm. right? I think up till today, everybody assumed that this was going to work its way out because if you have a process where you need a unified conference, 
you got to unify quick so you can start your business. You can yep. start with committee assignments and everything else. Right. Or if you have a legitimate dispute, you need to have an alternative, right? If McCarthy's not your guy, you need to have an alternative. No alternative has emerged. In fact, everybody else in leadership is supporting McCarthy here. But but for Punchbowl, which I think has its ear to the ground probably more than any other Capitol Hill publication, for them to say that they're hearing people say it's hard to see a path from McCarthy, that seems like a problem. Yeah, and, and I guess the, the point I'm, I was trying to make earlier is that the internecine warfare, I think, is I think can be productive for for Republicans. I think there's value in conservatives pulling leadership to the right. I've always thought this from back when I first started working in politics. Republicans need to be held accountable internally. But when the internecine warfare gets in the way of the broader goal of holding Joe Biden and his corrupt administration accountable, that's a problem. That's yeah. the thing is this is going to hold up if, if this becomes a problem. Committees being formed, which means that, like, you know, we had already set plans of investigating Joe Biden and his family. Can't get that done. Okay. Uh, investigating Afghanistan and, and, and that, you know, absolute horrific uh, uh, withdrawal, which led to the deaths of, of, of U.S. service members. Nope. You can't do that because Republicans, you know, five of them or six, however many, are deciding they would rather fight and offer no alternative of like who they want to lead. They'd rather just like fight over God knows why rather than do the work that all of them had been elected to do of what Republicans have been wanting to do since this horrible, horrible administration took over. They're preventing all of this from happening. And the thing is, is that like Dems could not be laughing harder right now. Oh, yeah. Democrat, like, they're dancing. They, Democrats. This are, is the, to them the funniest thing ever of their like, Let's get like, how can we encourage these these five knuckleheads to cause more problems from Republicans to get basic things done? Well, and it completely obscures the fact that Democrats and their clown show have a brand new leadership team, right? Pelosi's gone, mm -hmm. right? Hoyer's gone. Mm -hmm. This is we're now dealing with Hakeem Jeffries and his leadership team. Does anybody think that they've got their stuff together? No, not at all. Not a chance. Not at all. But. Because we're fighting amongst ourselves, there's no way to go on offense. In fact, it's the opposite. You're mm -hmm. playing defense, and these guys are just sitting back in the in the peanut gallery, loving every minute of it, mm -hmm. right? So it turns out they had they had a, a private conference call where he talked about all this stuff over the weekend, and it still didn't work. And so now going into today, nobody really knows how this thing is going to shake out. I thought this is interesting. So this is, I guess, from Playbook. It says that we can report that's not even the worst of it. We caught up Sunday with one of the GOP fence sitters, a member who's been in the room for these negotiations, and he told us that some of the undecided members won't support McCarthy even if he gives them everything they want, which is like, okay, that's it right there. These people, even if you give them whatever they want, they still think this fit is more important than every Republican voter who wanted accountability for this administration. That's what it comes down to is these these people think that they are way more important. You know, their ego, whatever needs to be pumped, you know, their time on, in front of a camera on TV is way more important than holding Joe Biden accountable, than holding the Democrats accountable, than finding out the actual truth of what's been happening, like of what this administration has been allowed to do with zero accountability because the media won't give them accountability. We elected the House Republicans to have accountability. And no, that they want to put themselves in front of that. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. What's really interesting about all of this is that seven years ago, 
a similar thing happened to Kevin McCarthy, where he was ascending to that next rung, mm-hmm. right? And this was before Paul Ryan became speaker. And there was some holdouts that didn't allow him to get to that majority threshold. And ultimately what happened was that Paul Ryan became Speaker of the House as a result of that, right? Now you fast forward seven years later, he's in a very similar situation. And I continue to believe that they've got to figure out a way to get this done because they've now got a, a spot where if they don't like his leadership, hell, they can oust him without any effort whatsoever. Right. So what's the problem? Has he not, by raising hundreds of millions of dollars, recruiting candidates, busting his tail all over the place, has he not proven that he has worked to get the job? And that's that's the end. Because if you're going to give somebody else the job, you're going to give somebody who has, you know, not I don't want to say done less because they've probably done something significant, but certainly less than what Kevin McCarthy has done, right? So if you're talking about somebody who deserves it, the man deserves it. Now, if you don't like him, okay, focus on your work. Focus on holding the Biden administration accountable. If there's something right. about legislating and oversight where it becomes impossible to do that important work right. because of the Speaker of the House, then let's revisit all of that. Right, right. And I think I think what you just said is one of the most important aspects of this is like it's about priorities. And is it more important to you to go after Biden or is it more important to you to have some sort of internal fight where you feel like you've 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 struck a blow against your own party and what's the goal what's the goal here right I mean what the goal is just to have another name the the, well I mean mean, is that is that nobody's articulated a goal there there is because there isn't one because the goal they you can't you can't articulate what the actual goal is because it makes you look bad the actual goal is personal ascendancy that's it the actual goal is that I is that like I as somebody who has not been as involved win if McCarthy loses. So I get to ban I get to draft off of him just like it's a NASCAR race. I'm drafting off of him. I'm in the back of this pack and I just scoot out and I get I get right around him at the turn and and I win because I you know, thank God. I mean, what's so fascinating about this is that you got like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Donald Trump and everybody else who are all in favor right. of Kevin McCarthy's speakership, right? You have that group of rules people, of which we've only heard from a few. The rules people if they ultimately vote against Kevin McCarthy, what you just said is 100% true of them, right? Yeah. Because they got what they wanted. Right. So now what's it about? And, but there are, you know, then there are some other people. You got the Matt Gateses of the world who just said, I hate Kevin McCarthy, never voting for him. And there's another guy, uh, Bob Good, who said he's, he's never voting for, for Kevin McCarthy because he didn't uh, call him soon enough after his primary victory or something like that. You're, you're shitting me. No, I'm serious. Like, these things are actual real. And I, the point that we're trying to drive home is a ruthless variety program is it's not about you. It's not about Kevin McCarthy. It's about the work that everyone collaboratively across this country put in to try to put you in a position where you can do something about this lawless administration. And what you're doing by holding this out and making this less of a unified front is actually harming the core mission that our voters asked for in the first place. I'm telling you, like, the Democrats could not be happier right now. They are. They could not be happier seeing this absolutely ridiculous and stupid. The thing is that, like, there's such a desire from Republicans of someone, someone holding this administration to account. Because the press has just been allowing all this madness, 
and we have our shot and like these it's it's a hundred percent just selfishness yeah selfishness like they want a tv hit to be like oh i don't know where i'm gonna stand on this i want people to know my name i mean i continue to believe and this may be very naive but i continue to believe this is going to be figured out today right i continue to believe i have no doubt that thursday's show is going to be dedicated in large part to to talking about how this has resolved itself Mm -hmm. but i just i refuse to believe that after the last two years we've had the republicans are going to be in a situation where we throw up our hands and be like i don't know we can't govern my my prediction yeah right right? no that's right my prediction is we won't figure it out i'm just like oh come on smug that's just so horrible you don't think really it's so difficult to be an optimist when you've got like all this is is straight up selfishness you know, I have, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a pessimist. I don't believe, you know, a lot of people operate in good faith and care about others and, and want to do their job. I think a lot of people are completely driven by ego, greed. And so when there's an opportunity of someone presenting that, when, when someone shows you who they are, there you go. They just want TV hits of being like, hey, I am like, who's heard of, what is his name? Good Bob, Bob Good? Yeah. I have never heard of Bob Good. All right. What? But Bob Good is not interested in us knowing him as the guy who held the Biden administration accountable, he wants to be known as the guy who's causing problems. Yeah. He wants to get famous to being like, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm causing problems. I'm, I'm fighting, fighting the, the, the establishment somehow by doing this, yeah. by, by helping Democrats continue to go run roughshod over, over you know, the Constitution and do whatever they want. Yes, that's, that's me fighting. But here's the thing. We, the Republican voter, get a voice too, mm-hmm. right? And the only way you can hold, if we'll see what happens. I have one view, smug as another. I guarantee you by Thursday's episode, we're going to have some discussion about what it is that we can do, depending upon where, the way that worked out, right? Because if it is a situation where they're just like cast off in the middle of the Atlantic and not able to pull a direction one way or another within this conference, the people who made that happen have to be held accountable yep they really do well there there is a high volume of brand new people and i think that because of that they don't seem to be the problem and i just i think that there it's 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 going to be interesting to watch i think that the people who won tough races are the actual ones who are trying to pull everything together here because they're the ones that are telling everybody hey he helped me out well not only that but we got a job to do folks like what are you doing what are we doing we're talking about some washington dc like who gets the nicest chair deal right while the american people put them in office to try to do the job no that's right because all these new members as soon as they go home you know after they've been sworn in Folks there are going to be like, okay, so what are you doing? What are you working on? And if they're like, well, we can't figure out who the hell's going to lead us, they're going to be like, I don't what? even know what committee I'm what? on. What is it? It's like a clown show. Yeah. Get your shit together. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 terrible. It's terrible. Um, all right. So that's enough of that. Look for more of that on Thursday. I was interested because you spent some time in New York, Smug. I was interested in this uh, uh, deal with New York lawmakers got the highest uh, paid yeah, uh, do they got a twenty nine percent raise? This is so. This is completely insane. This is from CBS News. New York's lawmakers become uh, nation's highest paid after a twenty nine percent raise. Just in time for the new year, New York lawmakers have become the highest paid <laughs> state legislature legislators in the nation under a bill signed Saturday. Members of both houses are getting a pay raise of thirty two thousand for a base salary of one hundred forty two thousand <laughs> under a bill uh, Governor Kathy Hochul signed a day before her inauguration Sunday. Again, 29% raise over their previous salary of $110,000. Um, 
and this is what's funny is New York lawmakers passed the pay raise bill during a special session in late December. You know, <laughs> get yourself the best Christmas gift, right? <laughs> and the thing is that like the storied history of New York state lawmakers, like you just, I mean, go through FBI most wanted list over the past 20 years. Like there have been, cases, oh, yeah, there have been cases where, I mean, like the feds have, have had stings where they take out like entire County parties and like we've had, we had uh, the head of of the the state senate and the the, the house uh, legislature at the state level both arrested. Oh, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, the state is so messed up. So basically, it's you said it's a thirty thirty thousand dollar thirty two thirty two thousand dollars. So it's one dollar for every senior who died of COVID in a nursing home. Amazing. Oh yay yay! That's a tough stat. That's a tough stat. Well, it's just ridiculous. This is a story I love. Smug, you pointed this thing out. Scott Stallings Mm -hmm. down in Georgia. So every year the Masters golf tournament sends out invitations to people who qualify for the tournament. And it's like a big, big deal. You know, like the Tiger Woods is of the world. They don't worry about that because it's like, of course, they're going. But like, you know, if you're in that lower third, it takes a lot to qualify for the Masters. Like you have to have a hell of a season to qualify for the Masters. And so if you're waiting on the mailbox, mm-hmm. right? Well, it turns out there's a guy in Georgia, a golfer named Scott Stallings, and he's been confused. <laughs> you got to pick this up, Spock. So, so th- this is from the, the Scott Stallings, the, the golfer, the, the well-known one who plays on the PGA Tour, puts out this tweet, says, literally been checking the mailbox five times a day, and then I got this random DM yesterday. This is the DM. Hi, Scott. My name is Scott Stallings as well, and I'm from Georgia. My wife's name is Jennifer too. We have a condo at, and blacks it out, and I received a FedEx today from the Masters inviting me to play in the Masters tournament. I'm 100% sure this is not for me. I play, but wow, nowhere near your level. It's a very nice package complete with everything needed to attend. I think we have some confusion because of our names, our wife's names, and geographical location. I can be reached at in the black ass phone number, and I am more than happy to send this package to you. And he also sent a picture, and it's just like, I mean, this is a very nice, like, <laughs> as you, you know, imagine, invite, you know, as what you that, imagine, like, green like the- padded leather with like the master's logo. That, that I mean, it's impressive. So, I mean, it's it's like a nice card that says the board of governors of Augusta National Golf Club cordially invite you to participate in the 2023 Masters Tournament. Like, this is amazing. So what happened was the Masters confused this Scott Stallings for the PGA golfer, Scott Stallings, and sent him the invite. Well, I mean... So invite in turn is like, okay, Scott Stallings, okay, let's look this up. Georgia, (laughs) all right, there's four of them. We'll find one, okay, anyone married to Jennifer, this one? Okay. Yeah, there it is. Here we go. So what do you do, like, Smug, what do you do if you get this thing in the mail? I'd play, dude. <laughs> I play. It said it said my name. It said my name. They know I play. Everybody knows I'm good. Now I'm glad the Masters knows. I show up, and I'm like, I'm ready, dude. Here's my invite. It would be the funniest damn thing in the world just to walk out on this hallowed grounds of Augusta National in, like, you know, shorts, and you're, and you're, and you're like, hey, I'm here. And that's the thing is like if I got the invite, if I show up and like somehow like you know after hole three they're like wait a minute this is the wrong Scott Stallings like what the hell's going on here we can't let you play and I was like listen you gave me an invite it had my name on it 
There's legal repercussions. That was a signed document from you guys. Like you can tell me to leave, and that's a membership here at Augusta. He I'll ought leave. to at very at very least he ought to get around, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's almost impossible to get yourself on Augusta. <laughs> yeah. It seems to me like the mistake that they've made here in his good faith effort to contact the real Scott Stallings. Uh, he should get around. He should. Right? I, w- I would have shown up and played. I would have shown because the thing is that like the real Scott Stallings, no one wants to be the guy who like will call Masters headquarters and be like, "Hey guys, I didn't get my I, invite. Am I getting invited?" They're like, "Dude, you know," because like they're like, "Okay, come on, asshole. You thought you're getting an invite? You're not that good." No, it's true. I'm, I'm sure that's why he's gone to the mailbox five times a day to try to see if it's there. He doesn't want to call the Masters. That's why I would show up and play, dude. I'd have the time of my life. What do you do? Amazing. Smash. Uh, I probably do the same thing this guy does. Maybe try to get it around. Maybe maybe try to get just to, just to get to play. I think tickets or something. I think you got to have a leverage situation here. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's it's because it's such a funny thing, and like I use a ton of a social engagement on this guy's tweet. Um, you got to think they're going to give him around. You got to. And, and, and to be honest, all he wants to do is have a chance to play the course. Yep. And it's so funny, and it's bringing so much attention to the to the tournament here. On the first, you know, day back after New Year's and the holiday, like it's the turn. This really benefits the tournament. It really benefits the tournament, no question about it. Well, it's a fun what story. Would, what anyway. would you do? Uh, I think, I think I try to find a way to contact Scott Stallings in a way that is not over Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think I try to find Scott Stallings and I like hand deliver this and then uh, use that goodwill gesture to get myself. I mean, some kind of an invitation. I, I don't. I mean, because this is the thing: is like the opportunity here is like, okay, do you really want to be like, okay, let me just like watch people play, or like some random night I can play the golf course, or like, yes, that's what I'd want. I would show up on <laughs> Masters Day, dude. Just go right out to the range. And the thing is that, like, I would not. Imagine play just shanking the first drive off the side of the. Well, that's it. That's, that, that's <laughs> right after Jack Nicholas <laughs> does the honorary tee off. That's the thing is like I, I can be honest enough with myself that I was like I'm not going to win this thing, so I'm not going to try to compete. I'm going to try to have a great time. So like you know I'm on hole one. I spark a cigarette and I let her rip, dude. This <laughs> is a good time. I keep a six pack in my bag. It'd be a media just sensation. Just have a great time. It'd be the world's best media story, no question about it. If you yeah. showed up, burned a heater, sat there with like a six pack, and you had your brother wearing like you know. A teen shorts, <laughs> <laughs> like holding the clubs. It would be, it would be like incredible story. Yeah, pushing somebody's like website on your back yeah. on the back of your shirt. Another like, <laughs> like your buddies like, like, selling like, something on the internet. Your friend's got a total crypto scam. That <laughs> you got money, so the name of it is on the back of the shirt. It's like, how did these people get in? I, I'm Scott Stallings. I was invited. I was invited. Here's my invitation. You know, my neighbor's a taxidermist. He does real good deer heads. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, so we've talked a lot about this bail fund over the years, yes. uh, ever since 2020. And, you know, like I think we've covered it ad nauseum about what went down during the riots and everything else and, the, and, the, and the, all these bail funds that came together that basically were crowdfunded to try to get violent criminals out of jail. Wall Street Journal did an interesting piece on this. Um, as riots swept American cities, then-Senator Kamala Harris and others appealed for donations to nonprofits dedicated to springing arrested protesters from jail and bailing out the poor. These bail funds existed before 2020, but they've since become big business and in some cases undermined public safety. A case in point is a Seattle-based Northwest Community Bail Fund 
established in 2018 to post bail on behalf of indigent 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 individuals who have been charged and held on inaccessible bail awaiting trial the group experienced a windfall in 2020 hauling in more than 5.7 million dollars it posted more than 2.8 million dollars in bail holding 696 people that year uh getting springing them rather up from around three hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars in 227 defendants in 2019 it hasn't released a figure yet for 21 or 22 um this is what's key right here it says some defendants the bail fund has assisted have allegedly gone on to commit additional crimes who to guess including violent ones Three have been charged with murder. <laughs> Think about that. Losing a family member to this, to this stupidity. To this. Three. Among them is Kylan Hool, 32, who had two felony gun charges outstanding when he allegedly shot and killed uh, Damon Allen, 62, a 62-year-old. Jeez. In May 2022. Just before he was shot, Allen had told a 911 operator someone was trying to break into his home. He's oh. just in his house, oh. gets murdered. Because libs love this business. It's what it is. Is it's a business. It's a feel good business. You know, especially for like rich libs who are like, oh, I want. You know, I feel bad about having money. How can I? How can I help? Like all the lib policies are just like demented rich people. I think they should be personally liable. I think anybody who I think anybody who contributed to one of these funds that the result was someone being murdered after they sprung somebody. I think they should be personally liable. I like what is what is feel good for I understand the point about libs being feel good but like what literally what is feel good about letting a murderer out so that he can go back and murder somebody well, else Well it's the same kind of stupid mentality that has guy. like CNN reporters standing in front of a burning cop building saying right. like mostly peaceful protests yep. right where they they just try to bend reality that like basically everything in 2020 and all of those riots were about social justice and were about somehow speaking truth to power that put, you know, innocent black men and women in prison for no reason. And the police were just doing this and killing people on a whim. And that's the reality that they have basically spun in in actual reality. What happened is that you may have had a, a large number of people that fit that description but you also had violent criminals, people who probably set the fires, people who probably did the damage to property and assaulted people and everybody else. But they're now thrown in all together. And these bail funds go in and try to bail out everyone, everyone. They do. And look what happens. Mm-hmm. Right. That it just seems to me that if there's no accountability for a bail fund bailing out somebody who murders somebody right right this isn't the guy who got overcharged for a marijuana possession wait this is this is incredible so so the fund declined to uh, the interview request from the journal but said in a statement that as it makes bail decisions it considers factors including availability of funds covid outbreaks in jails separation of families and a defendant's quote ability to afford bail amount health factors pregnancy and pending loss of job housing or shelter bed race gender status right the list didn't include prior criminal record. Did not. Did not. So, like, if you are uh, an individual that Violent this crime. bail fund wants to spring out because, like, oh, you know, this is goes with the narrative that we want to push, they won't even look at, okay, this guy has, has, has stabbed 20 people over the past year, has broken into multiple houses. Let's bring him out. Let's, Let's do bring it. him out. Let's do it. COVID outbreaks in jail is one of the criteria. but whether or not you actually were assaulting, raping, kidnapping, murdering, it, all of that's not. 
They're like, listen, I mean, I'm sure this guy broke into a guy's house, shot him, killed him, but he could have caught COVID in jail. Oh, what is... what? A, Can you believe this? I mean, it's just... It gives you a perfect insight into the liberal mind, and doesn't it? This, the, COVID it, is more it, dangerous. It, it, COVID it, is more dangerous than a murderer being back on the streets. Yeah. I just, I don't understand it. Oh. I, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, it's like these, these libs who live in these major cities have so few real problems. Yep. That they just want to manipulate everybody else who lives in other parts of the country. Totally. They think they're smarter than everybody else. They think that, oh, we've got these policy ideas that we came up with at drinks last night at the Met. And, like, now our ideas have to be your reality. If we moved the media out of New York, the media power centers out of New York and into the Midwest and into the Mountain West and into the Southeast, I, I think that it could actually have some, some impact oh, I agree. on this country. And oh, I agree. Like, that's why I think that, uh, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried is so encapsulating of what has happened to the Democratic Party is you have this person who is a total scammer stealing people's money but he's like but i'm a good person because i'm going to give to these like liberal causes he donated to these bail funds he donated to these bail funds so it's, it's crime you know crime upon crime. crime upon crime because of this liberal ideology of like america's an evil country that's what it, it's all founded upon it's that. a disease and then you look at so this statistic in, in the journal the last thing i want to really touch on is this meantime crime in seattle has surged surged and like you always see CNN, they make a mockery of it. They're like, well, Republicans always talk about crime. We know that's not true. It's, it, so it says, by December 30th, according to police, the city had recorded 56 homicides in 2022, up from 36 in 2019. Last year, violent crime in Seattle rose 20%. I mean, 20% over 2020's already elevated levels. I mean, this you're seeing, and the thing is, you're seeing it across the country. Across the country. I don't know whether or not you can name a C4 and contributors to a C4 like a bail fund in a lawsuit but if you can't in every state in the union where they have one Republican legislators ought to be looking for a reason to pass legislation to hold these people accountable mm -hmm. you can't give millions of dollars and not ask any questions or, or even if you did apparently not including a previous criminal record wasn't one of them that you asked, right? If you're giving millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands, even if you cut a check for like 400 bucks, if it sprung one of these people out who somebody lost their lives over, I mean, you should be somebody, liable. Somebody should have to answer the question. I feel, you know, you, you owe that much to the family of Damon Allen, who was 62 and murdered. In his own home. I mean, that's just on. The one in Minneapolis, by the way, it's not in this in this doc that, that uh, McDaniel put together, but I've heard a couple of Minneapolis cops, actually, one of whom came to our uh, live show last summer, mm -hmm. talk about this. And he, he said, it's rampant. It's, it's, it's a significant problem. And they've had numerous violent reoffenders who were bailed out under these circumstances. I mean, somebody's got to be held accountable for it. That's all I'm saying. Um, all right, so you want to go to toad licking? This is, yeah, this is this is an amazing story. We definitely got to get into this. Dude, so National Park Service wants humans to stop licking this toad. Is this the toad? Is this the Tyson toad? Tyson toad. Oh, well, the, that's oh, right. Mike, Mike Tyson, Tyson was like he, he, licking the toad killed his ego or something. Yeah, right? you know, it, it kills the ego. 
amazing. Well, anyway, go I, to almost any park. This is according to NPR. Go to almost any park, and there's often reminders to refrain from going near, petting, or feeding the wildlife. Not licking strange animals was <laughs> simply a given until now. The National Park Service has added tongue contact with the Sonoran Desert Toad among its various warnings to park visitors. As we say with most things you come across in the National Park, whether it be a banana slug, an unfamiliar mushroom, or a large toad with glowing eyes in the dead of night. Its eyes glow? Yeah, please refrain from licking it. <laughs> the agency said on Facebook, the toad is known as uh, as the Colorado River Toad. It's about seven inches in size. That's a big freaking toad. Mm-hmm. Seven inches in size. That is gigantic. And it carries a weak, low-pitched ribbit sound. Mm, interesting. <laughs> so, how is it not a frog? But, but I, I, I love, I love this. Uh, uh, be interested what to find is the out. difference between a frog and a toad. No, well, I, I thought frogs were just bigger than toads. Like, well, no, you can find a, you can find a fat toad. They're, this, they're, they're okay. all the same thing, dude. It's just like, I, I think toad is the British word. The creature is far from harmless. <laughs> What'd you just say? Toad is the British word. <laughs> it's a bloody toad. It's a toad. <laughs> it's not a frog, it's a toad. So Sonoran <laughs> Desert's <laughs> toads secrete a potent toxin that can make people sick if they touch it. Or if the poison gets in their mouth, according to the Park Service. Despite the risk, some people have discovered that toads' toxic secretions uh, contain a powerful hallucinogenic. And I'm not going to... It's like 5-E-M-O-D-M-T. It's some chemical... Yeah, whatever that is. Uh, In recent years, smoking the amphibian's secretions has grown in popularity. So much so that the species is even considered threatened, at least in New Mexico. I know all about this. All of a sudden, this just completely flipped in my head. I know about about this now. Yeah. What you may not have known is who has written extensively about this subject. Oh, yeah? Who was that? The son of the president of the United States, Hunter Biden. Are you serious? Really? Apparently, it's true. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Of course. Goodness. Of course, dude. It goes on to say a number of public figures reported experimenting with the toads extracted toxins. Boxing legend Mike Tyson. I knew it. Mm-hmm. I've spoken about it, and some researchers have begun to study it for its potential therapeutic benefits. President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, has written about using the toad uh, therapy as a form of addiction treatment. Yeah. This is the thing that Tyson was talking about. It kills the ego. I've known somebody who's done this, by the way. Really? Really? Yeah. What, and what happened? It sounds like a super intense situation. Hmm. Like, really? Yeah. Like, like this is a, the guy that I know who's done this is like very fluent in drugs. Right. This isn't just like okay. It's like you know, shotgunning four beers instantly. No, I mean this dude is this dude is like, if there is a drug on this planet, he's done it. And he said this is wild. He said this is the most wild. But but what he actually testified. <laughs> More toads are gonna die here. He was <laughs> like, oh shit, it's good. Yeah, no, no. He so what Tyson is talking about. He said is true, and that he uses it to reset the dial at one point in his year. It's not necessarily like a New Year thing. But like all, he says that like all of the accumulation of like negativity that he's had throughout the year, a couple of licks of the toad, and he goes through this weird multi-day experience, and at the end, it strips the ego and he starts over again. Well, there's nobody who needs to reset the dial probably more than Mike Tyson. I mean, the guy was probably the greatest fighter in history, but personally, we all know that he had some had, issues. He had his issues. Had and in fact, issues. one of the one of the very good friends of the program, his father was a longtime high school principal in the city of Albany, New York, and his father kicked Mike Tyson 
out of the school one time. No shit. Because Tyson was coming to see one of the girls in high school. He was a major champ. Can you imagine getting that job? I mean. (laughs) Imagine getting that job? Hey, you got to go kick him out of the school. Imagine how tough our buddy's old man must be. Oh, man. Stand toe to toe with Mike Tyson in front of a bunch of lockers. (laughs) I wouldn't like that job. All right, buddy, you got to go. I wouldn't like that job. Well, these toads are in deep danger now. (laughs) I I just got to go back to the line of its eyes glow. Yeah. At night, dude. Imagine picking that sucker up and then giving it a lick. Mind blowing. Yeah, Mind man. Blowing. I don't know. It's eyes glow. What it's the eyes hell glow. kind of creature is this? It's eyes glow. All right. So, not for some not so great news. Uh, 2022 was the worst year for stocks since 2008. Mm-hmm. Stocks fall. This is according to CNBC. Stocks fall uh, to end Wall Street's worst year since 2008. S&P finishes down nearly 20%. Oh. I remember the Trump years where like being up twenty percent was bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or not indicative. We could do thirty or forty right. a year, right. or not indicative of a good economy, as oh. they said at the time. Oh yeah, I remember that. Right, Friday marked the final day of trading. This was last week, and what has been a painful year for stocks. All three major averages suffered their worst year since two thousand and eight. I mean, guys, we keep talking about, and the media wants to just push this off. Right, we keep talking about how this is an actual bad economy. Inflation is actually terrible. Mm-hmm. People are actually suffering, and the media wants to pretend like this is none of this has really happened, right? And they saw the election results as validation of their point of view that like, no, the economy's fine, everything's good. The worst since two thousand eight. I don't know what happened in two thousand eight. Yeah, that was uh, so. What is also, I think, very critical about this is, uh, like you said, number one, the media is absolutely trying to keep like a, a stranglehold, and especially the Dems, on being like, well, this economy is actually bad. But the timing of where you have you know, the largest generation, the baby boomers, either have entered or entering retirement age, and their retirement accounts, your, your life savings taking a 20% hit right when you hit the finish line, can you imagine what that's like? No, I can't. I really can't. But it's, I mean, it's just so significant. They told us the 10% increase in inflation was no big deal, right? Couple that with a 20% reduction in your stock portfolio. I mean, your your buying power is 30% less in one year. Mm-hmm. 30% less in one year? You're already on a fixed income. The prices of goods have skyrocketed. Your, 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 your retirement accounts are down 20%. Oh. And you did everything right your whole life. And the media's like, no, this economy is great. <laughs> and do you remember, I, this got taken down by the White House, but they put a tweet out saying, like, um, great news, everyone. The uh, Social Security benefits under President Biden are rising 8.8% oh, right, this right, year. Right, because and, of inflation. And they were like, and, and like, it's statutorily tied since 1973 to the rate of inflation, yeah. right? <laughs> so they had absolutely nothing to do with it, but they were trying to pretend like the Social Security benefits. Well, they did it, because they pushed up the inflation angle. Like, <laughs> but they can't talk about that. So the next thing that they talked about was like, and nobody's brought this up yet, but by the way, if we go through another year of inflation, you're going to be talking about it endlessly next year, is in order to keep your Social Security trust fund anywhere close to solvent, which is it's insolvent currently, but in, it, not bankrupt, let's just say that, you actually have to try to start tinkering with contributions again. Oh, man. Right? So they're like talking about payroll tax increases or, you know, raising the level of, you know, you can, I think 110,000 or something like that is exempt from uh, an additional percentage and they may add more into it. 
it's not happening yet. Nobody's talked about it because the elections, they wanted to avoid it. But mark my words, if you're raising 8.8% of Social Security benefits with a defined benefit that's been paid 30 or 40 years ago, mm-hmm. you're going to have to figure out a way to, to, to replace it. And my guess is these guys are going to be talking about Social Security tax increases. And right, this is going to be popular. This is part yeah. of uh, <laughs> oh, the, the CNBC article, but I'd read uh, a couple of good pieces on Bloomberg talking about how like a number of very respected stock pickers, folks who run like various funds, various mutual funds, whatever, of how terribly they performed over the past year, um, partially because they bought into the hype of like, no way can like inflation be this persistent. And they really thought that the Fed would kind of like just like cool it and like relax. But the Fed repeatedly and recently has made it known that they will continue to raise interest rates. Yeah. They would do not foresee any rate cuts in the next year. The punt, like the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> and it's the American people in the retirement accounts who are taking this because of the Biden administration. And for God's sake, let's hold them accountable. Let's not do some stupid shit to get some camera time. Oh, God, no kidding. Well, last thing we got here for you, the blue state exodus continues. This is again, according to the Wall Street Journal, Texas and Florida make up about 15% of the U.S. population, but accounted for 70% of its population growth in the past year. Mm, I wonder why that is. The uh, one revealing facts from the Census Bureau annual assessment of the U.S. Migration was released last week. The biggest news is that the exodus from progressive-led states hasn't slowed, even as lockdowns have eased. Ah, well, that's interesting, right? You go ahead and you, you find out that your state is actually entirely communist-run. You leave to go to another state, and then you're going to tell your friends about it. And they're like, holy shit, you can live that way? Yeah, it's better here, huh? Oh, my God. I don't have to live under this tyranny? I mean, it enrages me, though. It really enrages me because, you know, a significant number of of these folks who are going to these red states where they're like, hey, seems like things are going great there, is they're going to vote for the same garbage that made their home blue state an absolute mm-hmm. hellhole. Totally. So one thing is taxes. Obviously, there's lower taxes in these states. The other possible culprit, according to the Wall Street Journal, is the disorder in cities that we just talked about, mm. right? Seattle, Portland, and Denver. Uh, most Americans, regardless of their politics, don't want to live, let alone raise children, where homeless people camp on sidewalks and where a whiff of skunk weed is impossible to escape. No, they are the unhoused, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is that, like, the people who are demanding you call them the unhoused are the ones who are just like, they either have a, a professor, like a tenure professorship at Harvard, or they're making enough to buy, you know, a massive pad in New York and be like, oh, end of year. It's time to donate to offset. Capital gains. <laughs> if we could, Those are the people who are saying this kind of bullshit. I mean, it's just there's so much evidence to suggest that normal people just want to be normal in this country. Yep. And they don't want their government fucking around with this insanity and the social experiments with the kids right. and with the crime issues and all that. Like, there's just a vast majority of us out there that, that that's the way we feel. Right. But we can't. Somehow we're going to have to figure out in 2023 how to run a campaign as a Republican Party, because the Democrats are just gone and lost, and it's always going to be that way. But as a Republican Party, not to be insane. I think that's the thing. You just got to figure out how to make a normal and persistent case to the American people that, like, if you don't want your kid to be 
taught how to become transgender. If you don't want, like if math is important to you or English is important to you, or if you don't want like actually have to worry about taking your kid to a sporting event for fear that where you parked might make you liable to be stabbed in the back as you walk to your car like if that shit's just simple and that's so my theory you know after uh the midterm and 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 i'd be willing to even bet on this is i think the candidates that are going to win and win big going forward are the most boring competent people like somewhere out there in in a swing district is joe the accountant who just does his job has a family and doesn't want his kids to be brainwashed into this horrible shit, doesn't want them to be in an unsafe community, doesn't want them to uh, uh, live in, in a country where the prices are doubling every year, just wants a normal future. He just wants a house, a family, and a future, and he doesn't want to be on TV. He just wants to make sure that the idiot Dem who's currently there doesn't continue with the woke bullshit. Those guys, those, those candidates are going to crush it. They are. They're going to yeah. absolutely crush it. No, but right. the thing is, is we got to make sure we got them. Yep, got to make sure we got them. And the work starts today. I've already, I've already been going through full recruitment lists here. I've been spent the holidays going through them. Find me the most boring, boring people in the I've game. I found some interesting people. I've I found want some boring and competent people. <laughs> well, listen, fellas, I think we did it. Absolutely. If I must say so myself. Uh, Michael Duncan, I hope you're doing well on vacation. The pictures look great. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.